Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On today's episode, uh, my guest is somebody who's really important to me because she is one of the first people really to help me feel like I was part of a community on Twitter and um, through Wakelet. And, you know, being in Kuwait, it's very difficult because the time zones are so different. And often when things are happening like chats and and um, seminars, webinars, or whatever, the timing just doesn't fit. It's the middle of the night here. And that was happening with the uh, Wakelet monthly chat. And so I reached out to my guest, Christina Holzweiss, and she was so gracious. She said, why don't we have two timings for our chat? And uh, she'll host one timing, convenient for this North America, the States, and so forth, and that part of the world. And I would host the, the other half of the world. And so we've done that for a while. We're sort of on hiatus right now, but uh, we, I, I really enjoyed it. And it meant so much to me that Christina reached out and she said, this is an idea I have. And I just jumped at the chance. So welcome, Christina. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Oh, Eileen, I'm so excited to be here with you. Connecting with you on social media was just, it was the right thing at that time. And the fact that you had reached out to me with this brilliant idea, of course I had to say yes. Ah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't really tell the listeners very much about you. And there's just, there are so many wonderful aspects to what you're doing, what you have done. Um, please tell tell our listeners the kinds of things that you're involved with. Wow. Well, I am a an tech librarian by trade right now. Um, I was a traditional school librarian, but I don't know if you could call that traditional. I'll explain. And before that, I was a seventh grade English teacher. So this is my 26th year in education. Wow. Uh, I can't believe that, you know, and I and I see my own. St- former students as educators it really <laughs> it really it, it's amazing it's a really amazing and I remember where they sat in my classroom I don't remember exactly what period but I remember if it was morning or afternoon I remember the things that they liked I remember the personalities and then to see them become educators it really makes me smile it really does because it's that you said the journey of to belonging it's that it's that journey of passing down from mentor to mentee. Um, and then when you see people grow and appreciate what you've done to help them and then they yes. do it for others, I think that's what education is all about. It's the passing on of knowledge, of understanding, mm-hmm. tradition. Some things change, some things just stay the same. Right. And it's, I think it's a wonderful field to be in. And I'm very proud that I am, have been an educator. I wear that badge proudly that I've been teaching for, this is my 26th year and I wear that badge proudly. Yeah. Because Amazing. in that 26 years, that means I have connected with so many colleagues, 
so many faculty members. Uh, this is my fourth district, so I've met so many people and students. Wow. Yeah. And building that, you know, I, I talk, I will talk in my book about the whole idea of becoming a good ancestor and leaving a legacy, which is sort of where we're going with it. And you said it beautifully, that whole idea of passing what you're doing on to others who sort of you hand off the torch and then and then they continue with that. So I didn't realize that you were um, an English teacher and then became a librarian. And of course, a librarian isn't just a librarian. No. Um, and we'll talk in a little bit about what you know kinds of things that you're doing in terms of um, the library right now. So many people have this view of libraries, the, the stereotypical librarian that they grew up with, the librarian that I had in my own middle school who kind of gave me a nasty look when I asked someone to borrow a pencil. We have that vision of the bunhead, you know, the person, the, the gatekeeper of knowledge, the person who says, you know, you owe a fine if you don't return your books on time. Many people have that stereotype in their minds. I have not seen so much happening in the library field. I mean, things have happened, but right now it is, it is booming. It is booming because librarians know about copyright they know about um, digital resources they know about um, engaging students with reading and connecting with administrators and parents these are skills that are in our wheelhouse and i don't mean that educators classroom educators don't know about these things but librarians have a very special role in that they serve everyone Right. A classroom teacher serves the people, the, the children in their classroom, mm -hmm. um, the children on their grade level, the children in their subject area, whereas a school librarian uh, serves everyone. I've been connected with some school counselors over the summer, and we've done some really great work on school counselors and school librarians working together because they are in a very similar situation. They serve everyone and sure. this actually yeah. the special area teachers do too yes. art music phys ed because all the students come to us and i think the library is that place of accessibility of equity and of belonging we right. serve everyone and that's why it's so important yes we offer the digital resources and the support but again the sense of the belonging you belong here in our library no matter yeah. what your social economic level is, your gender, your religion, your language, um, your grade level, your academic ability, mm -hmm. we serve the needs of all students and teachers yeah. in our schools. Right. Yeah. And, and looking at it, it's such a broad way. Um, the library is such a rich resource. You know, when I was growing up and it wasn't digital and you know, it was, it was pretty basic, but there was still so much that we would use uh, when, we, when we went to the library. And just to go to the public library, there was so much that we would learn from and be able to ask when we went there. So, so yeah, it's really important. You partially answered my first question I usually ask all of my guests is, when I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what does that mean to you? Acceptance. Mm -hmm. Acceptance 
um, to be understood by people. Not necessarily you have to agree with, and that's okay, because we shouldn't be agreeing on everything. We're right. all different. We're all different people. It doesn't mean that I have to agree with you. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I have to like what you say. Right. It does mean that we have to accept that other people are going to have other opinions and everyone has a place. Everyone has a place despite everything that come, you know, despite all of the, I guess, maybe the societal labels. We are all people right. and we all have common needs. And I guess it's the sense of belonging in our families, in our schools, in our local community. But Eileen, you've done some wonderful work, the global community, participating in the global community and belonging in the world is so important. Right. And obviously from that, there is no way that we would all agree and, you know, and fit in in the way that, you know, we would all have to be alike. Besides, it would be pretty boring. So, yeah, so that, that's, that's really important. Um, a little bit earlier, uh, when we first started out, you mentioned the, uh, the bunhead. And I love this whole idea, bunhead with duct tape. And I've always been curious about it. So my next question is, what were the origins of that? So... Uh, so yes, yeah, so the name of the website is Bunhead with Duct Tape. Um, I had done a webinar and an article. I had written an article and I collaborated with a group of librarians years ago. Okay. And I had this vision of, well, and it was all about hacking, like how you can design your library with not a lot of money, but some ingenuity using okay. paint and duct tape and all these different things. And so I said, well, you know, that's going to be the name of my website, Bunhead with Duct Tape, because Bunhead, you know, it's a traditional stereotypical librarian, but I kind of hack things and fix things up. My husband, he's, he's a mechanic. And when he says, oh no, here she, she's about to fix something. Here comes the duct tape. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, sometimes I just say, I want it done now and it's not done the right way, but it's done. <laughs> I love so, it. It's a little hacky, but yeah. it's the two, two sides of me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm glad I asked. Cause I always was curious <laughs> about it. Oh gosh. So speaking of that and speaking of when you were talking about libraries being a real resource for the whole school, I wanted to ask you about and I've seen it recently, maybe in the last uh, year or two, the idea of putting maker spaces or creating maker spaces in libraries. And I find that so fascinating. And I see that you're involved with that also because you're a maker, you're, you promote making and all of that. So I'd love to know more about how that got started, how you got into making. Although I have a little idea now from the bun head and duct tape. <laughs> But I would love to, you know, how did that sort of come together? You know, when my, I was growing up, my my mom went through a divorce when I was younger and she worked a lot. She was a single mom. She worked two jobs. It was my sister and I and my grandparents really raised us. And my grandparents, my mom was first generation American. She was born in Europe and she came here with her sister and my grandparents. And so I guess I'm first generation full American. Mm -hmm. And so when my grandparents came over with them, my grandparents never drove a car. 
my grandparents, my grandfather could read. He had a fourth grade education. Uh -huh. My grandmother never went to school. Um, my grandfather could speak some English words. Uh, my grandmother really couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so they were, they were Ukrainian. They had passed away many years ago. They were Ukrainian. And so when they passed away, when my grandfather passed away, you know, my sister was going through the house and there was a suitcase full of zippers. And my grandmother left jars of buttons when they need to fix something. You know, I'm like, Grandpa, can I buy you a new belt? He was fixing his leather belt with duct tape. I'm like, come on, can I buy you a new belt? <laughs> Gosh. You know, but yeah. they had, you know, when the bookmobile, we had a bookmobile mm -hmm. that would come to our neighborhood and it would stop right in front of my grandparents' house. Yeah. And my grandfather always picked tomatoes from the garden and my grandmother picked roses from her garden and they would give them to me. My grandparents could not read the books on that bookmobile. Yeah. But they valued education so much that they gave me those gifts to give the, to the librarian. So I've always had this. I've, I, I was their American dream. Wow. And I learned when I was a kid just being in the house and just picking up that hammer, picking up a nail, finding a piece of cloth. My grandfather sewed. You know, they had that old push pedal sewing machine. My grandfather would sew and cook. My grandmother would help him in the garden. It did not matter gender roles. Right. You did what you needed to do to get things. And so, you know, when you are in a situation where you don't have a lot, mm -hmm. you value everything you have. And again, again, thinking about the global goals, it's the, one of the global goals for sustainability. Yes. Right. Re, reuse what you have. Yeah. And so I grew up like that. So maybe I wasn't you know, 3D printing or had this vision of inventing something, but it was that, that idea of just creating something on your own. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that in my library. So in about 2013, I said, you know, I really want to do this. And I just started bringing in yoga containers and toilet paper rolls. And my kids are like, what are we supposed to do with this? I go, I don't know. I don't know. Make something. <laughs> Come up but with something, yeah. Come up with something. But you know what? The public libraries have been doing that for years. When you think about it, we, we brought yeah. our young kids to story time. Yeah. We always had a little craft to do. Oh my gosh, yes. So the public libraries had always really been doing that. They may, may not have had maker spaces, but they did nurture making. Yes. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That sense of community and a community space for people to be able to create or problem solve. And that's you know, you always had the, the knitting yeah. clubs in the public library, yes. community, uh, maybe community uh, buildings and community organizations. Mm -hmm. They would have maybe sewing lessons, painting lessons. So right. it really wasn't so far fetched to bring it into the school library. That's true. Yeah. That's and true. I was getting, and you know, we had that stereotype of, of boys like hands-on things and girls mm -hmm. like reading. And, you know, I did see, you know, stereotypes are, you know, sometimes we based on something observable, um, things that you see. And yeah. it did happen that way. Boys love coming. They, they enjoy coming to the library because of the robots and the Play-Doh and yeah. all those things. And the girls enjoyed using uh the make they then they started using the robots and those things too and learning and growing and i was trying to offer it in my middle school library something that they didn't have in the classroom or at home 
Okay, yes. Yeah. Something that they didn't have because we didn't have electives. There was no time in their schedule. Sure. Uh, I worked in a very diverse community, so we didn't have some, you know, some of the robots and things like the kids would not normally maybe have them at home. And so I raised a lot of money, a lot of money to put that makerspace together yeah. because I wanted kids to see opportunities that they might not have ever thought about before. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to give them the opportunity to create, to problem solve, think of, you know, design thinking and all of those things, you know, the, we call them 21st century skills, but it's already 2020. So honestly, you know, we should probably stop calling it that. But those are the skills that students need also. And if they can't get it in their classrooms, it's wonderful that they're able to be able to take advantage of it in the library. Interesting how you say it's 21st century skills. Actually, they're human skills. That's true. Yeah. It, it mean it. These are yeah. skills since the beginning of, yeah. you know, time because we, we had to always work together, right? To build the pyramids, mm -hmm. we had to work together to um, bring water to our farms. We had to work together. We had to collaborate. I mean, some people were forced to do those things. Right. You know, in and history. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they were, you know, they enjoyed collaborating and working on those things. Mm -hmm. But for communities to grow, mm -hmm. for cities to evolve, these are human skills. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's what, one of the reasons why when we talk about 21st century skills, you're right. They're human skills. They're, they're life skills that all of us need to have, um, especially now in order to be able to cope with things. Mm -hmm. One of the other things I noticed that you wrote about um, is slime <laughs> and not the slime like we usually <laughs> think about it, uh, but um, it's sort of coined from this whole idea of making. So can you tell us a little bit more about slime? Yeah, um, actually, I, I really love the Maker Fair, move, you know, Maker Movement and Maker mm -hmm. Fair. And in here in, in Queens, in New York City, we had the, one of the flagship Maker Fairs. I don't know oh, if you've okay. ever been to, have you ever been to a Maker Fair? I have been. Actually, we, we started having them here in Kuwait a couple of years ago before COVID. Oh. Yes, which is really amazing and, and quite um, fun. Yes. Right. It's just the, and the vibe and the feeling. Mm -hmm. But I found that, I mean, that it was wonderful. I said it was one of the flagship ones, but number one, it was very cost prohibitive for many people to go to here, at oh, least this, okay. this main one. Yeah. Um, it was very expensive because it was quite large. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted to have a school-based maker, maker fair. Um, when I contacted the make organization, mm -hmm. they said, well, there are, the, here are the categories. There's a flagship maker fair, which is the okay. huge one. And there are mini maker fairs and there are school maker fairs. I said, well, that's all good, but I want a multi-school maker fair. I want okay. the local community, the region to be able to attend. I mean, they can attend. And they said, well, you could, you could attend, but it would be your school only. I, your school maker fair would be the name of it. And other yeah. people could attend. I go, that's not what I want. I want multi-school. They said, well, we don't have that. So I created Slime, which is an off-brand. And it was Students of Long Island Maker Expo. Okay. And I held it for three years, two years in my school. Uh -huh. And one year I rented the local uh, Creole Aviation um, Museum 
and we invited children from all over. Wow. Um, and when I was at my school, it was free. And at the museum, we charged five dollars per person because I just had to, you know, I had to raise funds. Yeah, for basic it. expenses. Sure. Um, and but I, I wanted cost not to be a problem. Right. When, yeah, not to exclude to, anybody. Right. You know, as opposed to a thirty dollar ticket, mm. this was five dollars. Yeah. Per. per first child yeah. and like I said when I was at my school it was completely free and yeah and people came from all over Long Island I mean and and then when we had it in the museum I had friends of mine I had met who came from New Jersey wow I had I had Todd Burleson the school librarian the year after me he came we had Mac Income which is a, a, a publishing company from Minnesota a friend of mine Heather Lister came from Pennsylvania um, Amazing. Sally Kelly Johns came from upstate New York. I mean, people came from all over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Laura Gardner, Anita Salucci, uh, just people came from all over. And I was, it was a wonderful event. And again, your theme of sense of belonging, cost and access should not prohibit people yeah. from belonging. And, and, those, and yeah. the opportunities that we can give kids and mm -hmm. people who need it most. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because they probably aren't getting the access to the, that kind of thing um, at all, or, you know, in a very small way. And then, you know, having the awareness of these kinds of activities are available. And you, right. as you said, you know, you were going to do it for the whole of Long Island. And so, you have all different levels of students and levels, you know, economically and so forth. Um, yeah, it needs, definitely needs to be accessible. So that's really awesome. Um, the, one of the other things, uh, I know that you are a member of many different uh, organizations and you are representative of many different apps and ed tech tools and things like that extremely active and uh, always giving back. But I'm wondering what, in terms of community, in terms of belonging, what all those associations mean to you? What kind of advice or thoughts do you have in terms of, of you know, how, how you get involved and why is it important to you? You know, like, like kids, teachers like gold stars. Mm -hmm. We like to be recognized. And so um, I do have a, a weekly collection of ambassadorships and training programs, if you'd like to look at it. And, and people can become ambassadors. Now, I have become ambassador for Glogster. God, oh, I might, 2010? I don't even remember. Oh, it was wow. so many years ago. Glogster uh -huh. and Edmodo years ago. And so, you know, I've seen on Twitter headings, I see on email signatures, the, the badges, you know, people have their mm -hmm. digital badges and I might not display them, but I wear my badges proudly because it, I'm a part of community. Right. I met you through Wakelet. Yes. Yeah. So it, you know, so being a part of these groups, it is like, I'm a part of that Flipgrid family. Mm -hmm. I'm a part of Wakelet. I'm a part of Buncee. And, and so when I, and then I see you as part of Buncee and we are all, I see a lot of people in, in different ways. And so believe it or not, you know, 
we were out of school March 13th. That was our last day of school here in, in Long Island, on Long Island uh, because of the pandemic. Um, right. We've since gone back to school, but all spring we were out of school. I don't think I've ever connected with so many people, ironically, than I did during that pandemic, wow. during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and from people all over the world. And I that I think that was attributed a lot to the community that I'm a part of in these ambassadorships. It's right. not just tools. It's mm -hmm. not just getting the beta version, although that's really fine. Fine when you find out, oh, there's <laughs> something coming out. It's an update. Yeah, I, know, like, right? yeah. <laughs> I know something that you don't. <laughs> exactly. It's a kind of like, oh, this is so much fun. Yeah. But I know if I have a question, who to go to. True. Yeah. I know um, this person is an expert on this and I know that, you know, on this, and I can help people. When I was applying for this position two years ago, 2018, Eric Scheniger. Yes. It, mm -hmm. Right. I saw him on Twitter and what he said was something to the effect of when you're hiring me, when you're hiring a person, a teacher, mm -hmm. you're not just hiring that person, you're hiring their connections in a community. Oh, how interesting. And I used that thought in my interview. And I said that because it's true. Yes. If I have a question and I don't know, I will reach out to someone that I know who may have the answer. And if they don't have the answer, they're connected to someone else who has the answer. Right. Right. And what, what I love, what I love about that is that it's not just a one way thing for you, that you are so happy to connect others who are looking for support or have questions and need help just finding a solution to, to a problem uh, or finding a way to reach students that they're unable to reach. So it's really a two-way street. And that's the whole idea of this professional learning network and community is that we're, we're not just absorbing all of the information, we're able to make those connections and then be able to give back to the rest of the community. So um, one of the organizations that I know you're very active in is NYSCATE. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what NYSCATE is? And I believe you were recently elected. Can you tell us what your position means to you and what kinds of things that you hope to be doing with them? Uh, well, thank you. Um, Nightskate is the New York State affiliate of ISTE. Oh, okay. So ISTE, yeah, ISTE is the, the umbrella of the international, but Nightskate is the New York State affiliate. And so I was elected to the board. So I represent Long Island. Right. Um, and I think I, I'm, I'm very proud of it because I, I feel that I represent teachers and I represent librarians. I, so I, I, I think it's very important. That's how I advocate for libraries is by, um, by applying for grants, by applying for awards and for applying for positions mm -hmm. because I want people to see how active that librarians are. Right. So believe it or not, NYSCATE has their conference right before ISTE. <laughs> Uh, yeah. NYSCATE has it every year around Thanksgiving time in Rochester, right. New York, but because of the pandemic, so we need to go online. So 
we are right before ISTE this year, and I'm trying to get more Long Island people involved because I don't know if you've if you know the map of New York State, mm-hmm. Long Island is this fish that hangs out in the ocean. Yes. Yeah, sort of isolated from everything else. It is, but within an hour, you could be anywhere. It's true, yeah. It's very true, but New York State is so big, and a lot of the members from Nightskate are upstate because that's where it's based, and that's where the conference is. And I'm trying to uh, show people on Long Island that they can be a part of this. I I had been introduced to Nightskate, um by a dear friend of mine, Adam Bello. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I actually worked with him. He's just a, a really fabulous person. He's a mentor yeah. to me and a good yeah. friend. Yeah. And so he told me about ISTE years ago. Mm-hmm. And he told me about Nicegate. And uh, because of him, I was inspired to you know, get more involved. And uh, membership to Nicegate is free. It's completely free oh, to be wow. a member. Yeah. yeah. So you can't beat that. That's true. Yes. You can't beat that. And, you know, they do some really, really great work. Uh, They have uh, webinars. They have certifications, much like ISTE, but on a smaller scale for New York State. Right. Yeah. I know. I know a nice gate from through Michael Drezek. Yes. Yeah. Western New York. And he's very active. But um, otherwise, I hadn't, hadn't heard of it. And so, um, and I'm, I'm really excited for you because, yeah, you sort of have that bridge to be able to pull together the, the ed tech, uh, the, the librarian's role, um, and, you know, the, the role of the library in general, plus your background in teaching, and uh, be able to sort of have that perspective and, and bring it all together for, for the people of Long Island and, and the rest of New York State, of course. And then to, for that to be related. But I know there was discussion about, well, if NiceGate is right before ISTE, you know, we'll be able to, that was when we thought this pandemic was, was going to allow us to travel by then. But obviously that's not happening. So no. hopefully everybody will still be able to do it all virtually. So, yeah. Well, it is right after. And so, again, like you said, we don't need to travel from Anaheim to Rochester. So it's very easy to click that button a few days later. That's true. That's true. Are, are you presenting at NiceGate? I, I, I'm not presenting uh, at the time I was running for office. So I felt like I would, oh, I needed right. to focus. Yes. If I won, I would have to focus on those responsibilities. Sure. So that's what I feel is more important right now. I need to focus sure. on that. Sure. Yeah. But you are presenting at ISTE, I believe. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. I'm presenting on Wakelet. I'm presenting on uh, using QR codes, which I'm much passionate about. I'm presenting about um, virtual reality and empathy. And I'm re- presenting on uh, tech, text to tech, using technology p- to promote reading. Oh, interesting. Oh, they all sound interesting. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and I know that you've put together with some other educators, but you sort of had the vision for it, several different um, sort of guides, I guess, that are easy to use. You wanna talk a little bit about those just to sort of let, and then I'll put, make sure to put all this in the show notes too. Sure, thank you. Um, I have been using a book creator 
over over the springtime and I had created uh, a Flipgrid book levels one, two and three just because I thought it was easier to teach people through the book with videos and text. Webinars are really great, but mm -hmm. the problem with webinars is you have to kind of move, you know, like you could watch it later on, but you have to kind of like find out where that spot was. Right. And I'd like the traditional book where you can find things. So Book Creator is wonderful. That's a librarian in you. I love it's it. It's a librarian. <laughs> it's organizing information, yes, easy access. Um, so I created, well, I did not create, I managed, mm. I coordinated the epic ebook of web tools and apps, which is about uh, 250 pages written by 50 uh, educators all around the world talking about different web tools and apps. So you'll find Flipgrid and Buncee and Wakelet and Jamboard and Google Sites and so Microsoft. Yes. I mean, just, and yeah. it's short and sweet. It won't tell you everything, but it's a nice appetizer, mm -hmm. nice menu. And right. then we have the Digital Librarian Survival Toolkit, which is not broken up by tool, but more broken up by topic. So it's virtual field trips. Wow. It's um, Bitmoji classrooms. It's um, using uh, Destiny, which is the circulation software, those yeah. kinds of things. Wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. And uh, there's there's so much because of the way it's put together and Book Creator is a, is a great platform for that because there's so many different things. You can have videos, you can have QR codes, you can have images, you can have audio. And, and so it's really interesting. It's also very fun because you can flip to a page and, and just find the information. So, so yeah, so thank you. Well, you've already given us a lot of advice, but is there anything that I've missed or anything that you want to be sure that our listeners know about or that you are particularly either working on or have worked on that you want uh, to give advice about to, to the listeners? It's a very stressful time for all of us. Yes. And it's sometimes difficult to realize how to walk in someone else's shoes um, at, at work right now, I, I see, you know, I see hardworking teachers who are trying to solve problems. I see people who are becoming adaptable, people who are moving out of their comfort level. And I'm very, very proud of them. I'm very proud of them. And I'm inspired by them because, again, they have to change. They, they some of them chose to change, but some of them just have to change. And this is around the world, educators, sure. because of what's going on, you have to change. But there are some people, who, number one, who may not have had the skills mm -hmm. and number two, who might not have been open minded. But I still think I know it's a very difficult time, yeah. but I'm, it's a very exciting time, I feel, in education. It's a very exciting time because of all the tools, of all the connections, mm -hmm. of all of the way people are coming together. I really, there's a, there's a quote that um, uh, my para, my assistant had made for me. I posted it yesterday in my Facebook group. And it says, a hero is someone who knows to hang on for one minute longer. It's that extra, extra time. It's that one more try. It's that one more button you're going to press. It's that one more time you're going to email that student to ask them how they are. Mm -hmm. It's that one more um, hour that you stay up late to work on a lesson. It's just that little extra, that one more that is going to help you 
succeed. Right. Is that what that 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 strength that we all need, and I think we need mm -hmm. to work together to bring that strength. And like yeah. your your wonderful podcast about the sense of belonging. I think if we help each other mm -hmm. through this, we are going to become in the in a world mm -hmm. the strongest that we've ever been. Yeah, yeah, and and sort of almost at the cutting edge of change. That change that we've been talking about, the reimagining education, all of those things, and it just hasn't seemed to happen yet. But it seems that it, you know, it'll be difficult for us to look at education in, in the same way that we used to. And uh, yes. you know, people are saying we don't think that education will be the same once we we get back either. And certainly our yeah. students are going to look at it differently, not not even the educators or or uh, you know coaches and staff and, and so forth. We'll all be I mean, looking at it differently. There will be things that we will miss, but I think also we need to strike a balance. We have to take yes. our good understanding of pedagogy and of students. Right. Um, and I'll give you an example that I'm really, really excited about. Um, my my son's teachers assigned him a project where they had to, to use Flipgrid to record something. Well, honestly, anyone can use Flipgrid to record something. Sure. But it, it was the something that I was so happy about. The students had to research a fruit, a fruit, okay. and they had to research how healthy it was for them. And then they had to campaign that fruit. So this oh, was during wow. election time. Oh, wow. So my son. How he, creative. Right? How, how awesome is that? And again, this could have been done pre-pandemic with a mm -hmm. poster. And that's what, I, you know, I like about it. And it was hands-on. Right. You know, maybe not hands-on, hands-on, but hands-on digitally and, and thinking. And so yeah. he wrote this whole speech. I have it right here. He oh, was gosh. so proud of it when he came home. He had this whole speech oh, wow. about Apple Lincoln based on Abraham Lincoln. It was Apple yeah. Lincoln. Oh, and, <laughs> oh my gosh. And he made he made an apple. He sat there with my son and mm -hmm. he, he took an apple and he put eyes on it and arms and the hat and the beard. And he pretended he was Apple Lincoln, but it was using the great technology, mm -hmm. but the great information right. and the, the interesting creative project. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, and, kind and the of thing. perception and the perspective also of how, how do you become that character really, mm -hmm. which is which is really kind of cool. Well, I hate for this to end because I've had such a great chat and uh, I love getting to know all about you. Um, you know, we interact online, but we don't really know each other very well. Um, so where, but where can everybody find you? Where are the best places to look for you if they want to hop off this podcast and look for you right away? And of course, all this will be in the show notes too. Uh, well, you could go to my website, uh, Bunhead with Duct Tape, which has links to everything. Great. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at librarian, mm -hmm. L-I-E-B-E-R-R-I-A-N, because that's what kids say anyway. They don't say library, they say library. So <laughs> join them. So at right. librarian. Um, and then I have a Facebook group, 
which is called Hacking School Libraries, which is based on the book that I co-wrote with Stoney Evans. Mm -hmm. And it is open for all educators. So it's really Hacking School Libraries and other classrooms, because I think it's important for classroom teachers to learn about libraries and right. librarians to learn about the challenges that are unique to classroom teachers. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. it's open to everyone. Wonderful community it is. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christina. Like I said, I hate for this to end, but hopefully, well, I know we'll continue the conversation online and, and then, you know, in the future, maybe you'll agree to come back on and We'll talk about other things. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eileen. When you reached out to me about the Twitter chat and having it in multiple time zones, I just thought that was brilliant. And I love the idea, again, of you trying to get other people to feel like they belonged in that chat. I, and, and I had never thought that way. I had never thought that way. And here I am speaking to someone, an educator in Kuwait, who's reaching out to me I was like, this is just amazing. What an amazing idea, Eileen. Yeah. And so I, 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 you inspire me. You inspire me with all the, your good work. Yeah. Well, we are better together. That's for sure. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you so much. Bless and be well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys2Belonging.webstarts.com. See you next week.